I hope, uh, too, that uh, the exercise that we suggested last week in terms of the um, verses focusing on Jesus and uh, the, the list of five verses that we uh, gave out last week and uh, uh, you hopefully prayed through or, or, or read through at three different points in the day, that that was uh, something that was encouraging for you. And, uh, and, and so if you missed that this past week, you can still do it next week, uh, in, in the coming week. Uh, so, because uh, uh, I know sometimes we get busy and you get to you know, Tuesday morning and you go, oh, I was supposed to start that yesterday, right? Um, and so you can still pick that up. Uh, it's on our, on our church Facebook page if you're looking for the list of, of verses. But as I said last week, you can um, start over with your own list or you can just keep going if it was something that was helpful for you uh, with your own list of, of verses. It's mostly about the, um, the discipline, the habit of, of doing the three times a day more than the actual, you know, there's nothing profound about those particular verses that we use. Alright, so as we get going today, I want to uh, take a moment to summarize uh, where we are in our series so far. And so, uh, we have been uh, working on our computer system. We've been trying to, to get everything set up for the streaming, and uh, little, there are a few little pieces that are still not quite right. So, uh, Jim, if I can get you to advance the, the slide for me, and let's see, uh, see if we have what I need here. Uh, the series so far, and the next slide, there we are. Uh, so the first uh, sermon in the series, going back to the end of, May, um, we're, we're now halfway through the year, right? How'd that happen? Uh, but we, we talked, looking at uh, the, the story of Jesus, as Jesus and Peter walking on the water. And, and so the first sermon, we discussed how God reveals himself in the storm. Okay? And, and Jesus reveals himself. He passed by the disciples on the boat, sort of revealing himself to them as as God, and uh, but but part of that too was this idea that Jesus was praying before he left, right? Before he went out on the lake, he was praying. He knew they were in for a hard time, and so he had to. He'd said, "I'm going out to see them," and so the the combination of prayer and action, right? It wasn't enough for Jesus to be. I mean, he could have just stood up, stayed on the mountain, and prayed. But he decided to pray. He was obviously praying for his disciples, but then he also went out to them. And, and it gives us a model for what Christian prayer looks like. Right? That, that we don't just send thoughts and prayers to people and then that's the end of it. But of course, Christians get made fun of, if that's all that we're going to say. It's important that we um, pray and do what we can to, to make changes, to work with God to bring about the thing that we're praying for. And so uh, specifically I suggested there that we pray and invest in the next generation uh, coming behind us, that we can make a difference. All right, the, uh, the second one, Jim, in, uh, in this sermon series is walking by faith means using our gifts. Okay, that God has given each of us gifts that we can 
use in his service for his glory. But it means more than just using our gifts, it means leaving our comfort zones. Uh, it means that we're willing to take risks for God. And we looked there at the parable of the, the servants that buried their talents in the, uh, in the ground, or the, the one servant that did that, who said, I'm not going to take any risks. And, uh, and, and so when he, he said that, the master, or God in that story, was unhappy with him for, for ooh, now I'm gone, uh, for, for playing it safe. Okay. So we, we want to try and, um, and balance that. But, but being comfortable and taking zero risk is also not what God wants us to do. Faith means we use gifts uh, that involve becoming uncomfortable. The third one, now I'm not sure if Jim can hear me back there to, to move us along. Mark, I don't know if he's a bit low or... Yeah, it was loud. Oh, the, the third, yeah, but he can't hear. He's got to hear to move along. So the third one, was just a reminder that faith lives in uh, an ecosystem of fear, doubt, and failure. Okay? That, that we, we don't see faith lived out. We don't see faith demonstrated when life is going well. Right? It's not that we don't have it, but there's no evidence of it. Now, now, I know there are some people that say that when life is going well, it's evidence of your faith. Right? But, but actually, I don't... As I understand it, that's not how it works. We, we see faith being uh, evidenced when life is difficult. And, and so uh, we, we need to understand that when we're in these storms, when we're in these hardships, that this is when faith does what faith does and gets us through it. it, it, it uh, we, it's in those moments that we depend upon God. I think there's a little irony that we're talking about you know, celebrating Independence Day, uh, but the, the, this sermon series is really about dependence, you know, our dependence upon God. Number four, as we move along, is when our faith fails. Okay? Not if, but when our faith fails, uh, Jesus offers his presence and affirmation. We, we, we saw how Jesus... Uh, when the storm came, he goes down to the uh, disciples in the boat and reveals who he is, reveals his deity to them. But more than that, when Peter starts to sink, when his faith fails, it's Jesus' presence that he pulls him up and that he affirms him and says, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Okay, and... and and we see that as, as asking a question. Peter, why did you doubt? Like, not as a criticism, but, but sort of a constructive um, question as to what could have been possible, Peter. You know, and, and the encouragement that he was of the 12, the one that got out of the boat. He had that little faith that the others didn't. Um, and then the, the fifth one. Oh, and so the idea of presence and affirmation is also a baseline for us in in uh, caring for people around us that are going through trouble, going through struggles with their faith or with other areas of life. That, that just to be present and just to affirm that that person 
is important to us. It's so easy for us to, to be critical, right? To, to criticize or condemn, but instead we, uh, we can come alongside and say, I'm here for you. You're going through hard times. Maybe you deserve it. Okay, maybe don't say that. Um, but but you know, the, 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 for whatever reason it happened, we haven't lost our care for you. Okay, so to, to be present and to affirm. And then number five, uh, faith is the foundation of Christian hope. Uh, hope provides us with a vision of the future and it gives us, it motivates us in the present. But we need to fix our eyes on Jesus because Jesus is the object of our faith. Our faith and our hope are in Jesus, not in anything else and certainly not in the distractions that are around us. And so that was, uh, that was last week. All right, so there's five, uh, five points. And uh, oh, look, we've got two minutes for the rest of the message. Um, so to this point in the series, we've mostly used Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 as our uh, definition of, of faith to help us understand it and define. What are we talking about uh, when we use this term to help us get on the same same page but there's actually another there's more than one verse in the bible that talks about faith and so there's a whole conversation that takes place over in the book of james and uh, we could read james 2 verses 14 through 19 as a section um, and, and these verses as, as a whole highlight the inherent tension of our faith uh, our faith must be in God to act on our behalf. But our faith also can't be um, passive. James 2.17, not reading the whole section, but just this verse, says, Faith by itself, if not accompanied by action or by works, some translations say, is dead. Okay. So, if all we do is sit in a classroom and develop faith, right? And, and we have great faith. You, you ever known somebody on the job that tested really well? You know, and that could explain how to do something and diagram it? And then you, I think I was like this my first accounting job, right? I passed it, I got out of, uh, I graduated with a degree in accounting. All of a sudden, I uh, am in an, an accountant's office and I get given a shoebox from a farm of all their receipts and told, we need this turned into a tax return in three weeks. I'd never done a tax return before. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I'm doing one for a farm. And, uh, and I didn't keep that job very long. You know, <laughs> and, and so it's great to have these ideas and theory but if all our faith is is head knowledge, we can confuse it for faith, but it's just really head knowledge. Faith without actions is dead. Now, strong faith prompts us into action. It doesn't push us to the sidelines. It motivates us to work as partners with God. You say, I think it's easier to say, oh, my faith is in God. I'm just going to pull up my chair over here and I'm going to watch what God does. Right? 
I'll just let God do the God thing here. Um, but God says, no, he's inviting us to come and participate in his kingdom work with us. And so um, we must live out our faith. So this is an important verse for us to keep in mind. But I think uh, most of the sermons to this point have really emphasized this. We understand this, this concept. And so what I want us to do today is actually go in a slightly different direction. Because we can, it's like there's you know, the, the proverbial ditches on both sides of the road. There's the one side that says, oh, I'm just going to sit back and let God do what God does. But there's the other side of the road that says, oh, God really needs me. I've got to get busy. And the busier I am in, in doing church work or doing this or that, then the more faithful I am to God. And we equate busyness with faithfulness. And just as knowledge isn't faithfulness, neither is busyness. That busyness can be about self-esteem. It can be about seeking approval of other people. It can be seeking, attempting to seek God's approval rather than actually having faith that God already approves of me and died for me. And, and so we, we have this sort of these two ditches that we, we want to try and and figure out, where do I walk down this particular road? Faith is the conviction. It certainly is in our heads. It's the conviction that God directs our actions. Some of us love hearing sermons about faith, okay? Because we identify with this. We are a personality that enjoys pushing the limits. Okay? We like trying new things. We like breaking out of the box. We are naturally not risk-averse. Okay? We, we enjoy risks. Um, we like extreme sports. We'd jump out of an airplane, a perfectly good airplane, just so we could experience the thrill of it with a parachute. Um, Hot air ballooning, absolutely. Mountain climbing, I'm there. No ropes. You know, like these are, there's a personality that's going to say, yes, faith without action is dead. Let's go. Let's get out. Let's do it. And that's terrific. Okay? Um, I'm very happy for those people. Um, and, but the rest of us, we really need to learn from them. Okay? That there is scope for those of us who don't identify that way to learn from them. Because faith without action is dead. And, and so the church and, and, and us as Christians, we need to be taking risks. We need to be breaking out of our boxes. We need to be going places where we depend upon God, not upon ourselves. And so we need to learn that. But there are other times where the action that faith requires is actually doing nothing. It simply requires waiting. And, and so sometimes we can say faith without actions is, is dead. And we say, oh, if you're not doing something, you don't have faith. It's like, no, sometimes we do need to let God be God. If we were to go to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 8, uh, where we've, we've sort of been in this part of the neck of the woods uh, for the last few weeks. Hebrews 11 and verse 8 and there we see Abraham's faith being commended, being, being set up as an example. And, and God says, 
uh, about, or the, the preacher here says about Abraham, he says, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, Abraham obeyed and went. Even though he did not know where he was going. And so we have this illustration of uh, Abraham being a man of faith because he starts out in Ur, which is in modern day Iraq, and he gets this message and the message says, hey, from God says, hey, Abraham, uh, take your family and I'll tell you where we're going once we get on the road. And Abraham says, okay, and he packs everyone up. And they head out on this journey. And, and they come up and they get into a modern-day Syria. Uh, and they, they pause there for a while. And then eventually Abraham's father dies. And then Abraham continues his journey down into modern-day Israel, uh, the land of Canaan. And, and so he reaches, he discovers, after all these years, what his destination is. God shows him around. And he's like, oh, okay, this is why I left Ur. And, and so we, we look at this example, and it's really easy to say, well, the, the great part of Abraham's faith is uh, the action that he took and the dependence that he demonstrates upon God. And, and that is true. Now, I want to ask you a question. How much of the book of, the Gen- book of Genesis tells us about this great act of faith? Almost none of it. Right? There is nothing in there about the journey from Ur to Canaan. Right? It tells us where he went, and it says he left Ur, he went to Haran, he left Haran, he went to Canaan, he left Canaan, went to the Sinai Peninsula, and he, that's it. This great act of faith. And that's all that Genesis tells us about. You know what Genesis tells us about Abraham? Basically, it tells us, describes in multiple chapters about Abraham waiting. Abraham has been promised this land. Abraham, you can look at the land, but you're going to have to wait decades. And in fact, at the end of it, by the time you die, the only part of it that you own is your wife's tomb. <laughs> okay. That's a lot of waiting. And, and then God gives him another promise. And he says, Abraham, your descendants are going to be innumerable, like the stars and the sand on the beach. He says, that's what your descendants are going to be like. And, and then the rest of the story is about Abraham waiting for that promise to come true. Well, never mind the innumerable descendants. How about one, God? Can I have that one son that's going to start this process? Just wait. And the story's about the waiting. Abraham's faith is demonstrated in his waiting for God to do the things that God has promised he will do. And and you know what? When when Abraham's faith stumbles, when when he struggles, when, when he falls short, do you know what he's doing? He's trying to hurry God along. He says, God, I got an idea for how we can do this. He got tired of waiting. He ran out of faith. He said, let's try it this way, God. Let's try it my way. God says, no, just just wait. And and so, uh, certainly leaving Ur and making that journey, not knowing where he's going, tremendous faith. 
but the waiting for the decades in the land of Canaan also shows his faith. We're going to look at several examples uh, as we just jump through the scripture here. And I want to come to the book of Habakkuk, um, which is right there in between Nahum and Zephaniah. And um, Habakkuk is one of my favorite uh, favorite prophets. And, and I'll explain why very, very quickly here. You see, Habakkuk has some complaints with God. In verse 2 of Habakkuk, Habakkuk 1, which you see up there on the, the screen, we see his impatience. He's saying, God, I have this complaint. How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save. You see, Habakkuk is tired of waiting. He's living in a corrupt nation. He's waiting for God to intervene. Like, we know what you did in the days of Noah, God. You, you stepped in. You took action. You didn't allow this kind of corruption and violence to continue. What is going on? Are you still up there? Are you paying attention, God? It's rather a bold prayer. One that most of us perhaps would try and finesse a little more than he does. And we might even ask, where's the faith in this? Isn't this doubting him? Isn't this questioning God and saying, God, do you have any idea what's going on? Are you paying attention? Are you asleep? What's, what's happening up there, God? And, and so that sounds more like doubt than faith, doesn't it? And, and so we can question this. But I think the reason we should see it as, as faith is for a real simple reason, is that Habakkuk is having this conversation with God. Right? How many of us will say, I'm not getting what I want out of church. Church or my spiritual life isn't going the way that I think it is, um, think it should do. My life is messed up and, and all my years going to church or reading the Bible haven't, aren't changing that. And so what do, there's many people that say, well, I just need to leave. I just need to go somewhere else. I need to do something different. And, and Habakkuk could have easily said, God, you're not doing anything. You're not intervening. You're not present the way I want you to be present. And could have said, I'm, I'm going to go worship Baal. Baal will solve this. Baal will solve this. That or some other God. Let me find another God that will get me what I want, that will give me peace, that will you know, bring prosperity to this nation. But instead, Habakkuk says, no, I'm going to Yahweh. Because right? he's still God, no matter how messed up things are. But I've got a complaint that I want to bring to him. And so I think there's this faith that says, God, I've been waiting a long time. What's the story? Now, if we were to keep reading through there, um, it, you could pick it up in verse 5 uh, and you would see. But basically, uh, God says, stand back. And watch, I'm about to do something incredible. And, and God brings the enemy army to come and, and destroy the nation. And, and they're, they're swept away and they're punished. And, and so, uh, or, or God says, this is what's going to happen. And so what Habakkuk does then in chapter 2, the next slide, uh, Jim, is he goes up onto the, the wall of the city. And he stands there and says, okay, God, I hear your words, but I want to see some action, right? I've been hearing words. I'll wait. 
He says, I will stand at my watch. I will station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. Okay, God, you're going to bring this army. I'm up here. I'm waiting. I'm watching. And, and so, again, there's this sort of rebellious streak that runs through Habakkuk, but he's still trusting God. Okay, God, you said this will come. I'll wait for it. I'm watching for it. I believe you. I'm looking for it. And then, uh, after it's all played out, I think there's actually a, a probably a fairly large gap in time between chapter 2 and chapter 3. And then in chapter 3, as Habakkuk now reflects on the captivity of Israel, he says, Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day, in our time, make them known, known in wrath, remember mercy. And, and so he says, God, I'm in awe of what you've done. And, and some of that is what he's heard God do, and he says, I want you to do it in our time as well. But it's also uh, what he has experienced, and you can keep reading down through there about what he has seen. So he waited. He says, I'm watching. And then God reveals himself again. Notice how his faith in God is deepened. Not through his action here, but through his waiting. Through God's action. Shortly after Jesus' birth, we read this earlier in Luke 2, he's taken to the temple. He meets these two elderly people, um, Simeon and Anna. And they've received this prophetic promise that the Messiah is going to be born, or Simeon specifically has received this, this promise, uh, that they would see the Messiah. And, and so in, um, we're not told when he received that. Okay? Was he you know, 27 when he received it, and now he's 72? Or was he 71 and a half, and now he's... You know, I, I don't know if he's only had this prophecy for six months or 60 years. But nonetheless, he's been waiting. And it's not just Simeon. The people are waiting. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but uh, it says that Anna, when she was, after she saw what was going on, she, in, at the end of verse 38, she gave thanks to God, spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Here were people looking for God to come and redeem his people. They're waiting. But Simeon is waiting for the Messiah. It's been promised. And when he sees Jesus, holds Jesus in his hands, in verse 29 he says, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. Um, he's ready to die. I can die a happy man. I've seen the Messiah. But his faith is not recorded because of how much he gave to the temple treasury over the years, or even, even though we're told that they were there every day, that's not the te greatest testament to their faith. It's that they waited. They were there when the Messiah came. At no point did they give up and say, God isn't going to keep his promise. <laughs> it's been so long. I just need to go sit in the nursing home and look out the window and count the sparrows. They said, no, the Messiah is coming. God has said this. And um, 
And we see their faith in the waiting. And then in Matthew 14, we're back to uh, Peter and Jesus walking on the water. Uh, I, I'm not going to read this story because I think we're familiar with it by now. Um, but it also involves some waiting. And here's the first waiting is that uh, Peter believes that he can walk on the water. Right? He says, hey, Jesus is out there. I think I could do that. But he says, he, he checks in. Before he, as much as we want to say Peter is an impulsive person, as we study his life and we work through the Gospels, he doesn't just jump out of the boat. He says, hey, Jesus, if, you tell, if it's really you, tell me to come. Okay? And then he waits for an answer. Jesus says, come. Then Peter jumps out of the boat. And, and I think even for those of us that, that are those sort of um, boundary-pushing people, the faith-in-action type of people, that this is a really good paradigm for us. Uh, that even when we're ready to go, we pause, we double-check that this is what God wants before we launch out of our box. And, and, and so we see Peter waiting there. But there's another waiting that I think it's easy for us to overlook. And that is that when Peter sinks and Jesus reaches down and pulls him up, you know what's going on around them? It's a storm. And, and you're like, well, Jesus, don't you see there's a problem here? That storm's scary. Right? Peter's sinking. Can, can we calm things down a little bit? Can we, can we have a smooth ride back to the boat? But Jesus says, no, the storm's still going. And, and so Peter and Jesus now have to get from where he sank back to the boat. And they're going to walk together through the storm, however far it is, and we don't know. They have to walk through the storm in order to get back to the boat. What happens when they get to the boat in verse 32? When they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And Peter turned to Jesus and said, really? Really? Now the wind dies down? Like you didn't see me sinking because of the wind? And your option was to just walk with me through the wind and the storm. You didn't make it die down at that point. My story would have been so much different, Jesus. If you just like a little earlier. And now we're in the boat. And now the wind dies down. And so Peter had to wait. And how many of us relate to this? That, that we find ourselves in this place of trouble. And we, we, we're thinking, can you imagine? What's Peter doing? Is he just like this as he sinks? Is he waving his arms? Is he kicking his legs? Is he struggling? He's doing all the activity. Right? to try and stay in the water. He knows how to swim. He's grown up around this lake. He's a fisherman. But all that activity isn't going to save him. This is a moment of waiting. And, and, and for us, so often, we, we say faith is action. And, and we want to get busy and we want to solve things and we want to make a difference and we want to do all of this ourselves. And, but there are times that that we just have to wait, right? And, and that the storm doesn't go away, the problem doesn't go away, and we wish it would. There are times 
that the problem never goes away. Right? Because there are Christians, Christians have the same mortality rate as everybody else. And, and, and so we get those diseases and we go, oh, this is a storm, Jesus will bring me through it. But he brings us through it in a way that, it, that ends it, right? along with the rest of life. And, and we go, that wasn't what I had in mind. And, and so we, we're aware of that, that faith doesn't always give us this, the calm ending in this life. And, and there are times where faith gets us through storms, and we do experience that. We've all been there, haven't we? That, that, that we've been through trials and, and difficulties in life, and we get to the other side and we say, well, God, you could have done that a year ago. You could have done that six months ago. Like, why did my boss just resign now or get that transfer now? And I've had to, I've been praying about that you know, for, for, for months. Yeah. And, and, and God said, hey, I was with you the moment you started praying. And I've decided that now is the time. And so sometimes our faith requires us to wait. And that's the most our faith can be in those moments. And so here's our, our last point for us to take away today. We need to ask God for wisdom. Right? You think of the, uh, uh, in a series, you'd, I'd say we need to ask God for faith. I mean, that's, perhaps that's a given. But we need to ask God for wisdom because it, it's not simple, straightforward. There is no um, template for when we need to be active. And, and our faith is expressed through action, and when we need to be just waiting for God to be God. And, and we need wisdom in that decision-making process. And, and so uh, I, I think our prayer is for wisdom, but we need to be aware that both answers are possible, right? That both expressions of faith are possible. That sometimes we need to wait, Sometimes we need to get busy. We need wisdom to know the difference. Yes, it's true. Faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. It's also true that our faith is always in God, not in ourselves. And so our action has to be God's action, not ours. And faith means remaining confident that God will act, even when we've already waited a long time. It doesn't guarantee the outcome, but it guarantees his presence and support and affirmation in our lives. We're going to sing a song and then come around the, the Lord's table. I think the, our weekly act of communion is a reminder that God continues to be present in our lives, in the storms that we experience.